Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information about Home Church, visit us at myhomechurch.org. Well, let's dive in. And uh, typically when I speak, I get to (laughs) have victory in what I'm speaking on before I speak it. That's not the case this week. (laughs) So I'm going to be receiving um, (laughs) as you're receiving. And I just hope that I'm not like completely sloshed and smashed (laughs) um, while I'm speaking it to you. Uh, Wow. I already feel the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, he's so merciful. I'm so thankful for that song. (laughs) Because sometimes we think that we need to earn worshiping him. And it's the opposite. Sometimes when we let go of peace, we think we can't worship until somehow we've grabbed a hold of the peace again in our own effort. And the truth is it's only in worshiping him that we can obtain the peace of his presence. So praise God for his mercy. (laughs) It's just that sometimes... There's, there's another side is sometimes we don't want to enter into the to worship because we know he's going to be like, hey, why don't you look at these things that stole everything that I purchased for you, right? And then we have to repent, but repentance is beautiful. I'm not speaking on that, but I'm always speaking on that. So I love repentance. I'm thankful for it. It's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> All right, but today we're speaking about Christmas. <laughs> Yay. So it's funny because uh, about two months ago, I had the the song of the angels in Luke 2.14 on my heart to speak about. And, you know, we've kind of gone in this direction in the past few weeks of not speaking about Christmas. God has brought us all over the place. And at least that's what I thought until yesterday morning as I was like, Lord, why why am I speaking about this song of the angels? And this perspective that I was coming with was completely different than what God brought to me and it really ties into everything that we've been talking on since Rob Mitterando came here I don't know if you remember when Rob Mitterando came here he spoke um, he spoke uh, about you know uh, mindsets and we we sang on the sound mind and peace and I just feel like, yes, uh, last week Caesar came in and spoke about peace, and the Lord was really ministering to me about Christmas time is a season of peace. So <clears throat> the whole purpose of us celebrating Jesus' birthday is reflection, appreciation, and celebration of the one who was born. And I want to bring us into alignment with these actions and give us fuel to enjoy what it's really about, and myself, fuel, <laughs> us. Jesus is our savior, he's our king, and he's our Lord who came. So I wanna take us all back to that moment in the field where the shepherds were tending to the sheep. And I wanna give you a Jewish perspective of that day. Um, In the Jewish, because we're going to see two perspectives here, the Jewish perspective and we're going to see the heavenly perspective and we're going to see them collide. And I think that's a really important um, thing to understand. So the Jewish perspective is that they were always waiting for the seed of a woman to come and crush the serpent, right? That's the promise in Genesis 3.15. They were always waiting for God to come back and to destroy Satan, This was a pattern of how God worked with Israel over and over and over again. If you don't know, we Christians actually are grafted in to the Jewish religion. Yeah? So it's it's (laughs) important. Amen. So it's important for us to continue to study what they believed because sometimes we think that we have our own religion and the truth is we don't. We have a continuation of and, and a fulfillment of what they believed. So the pattern that Um, God always worked with in Israel was that there would be an oppressor, a cry would arise, a deliverer would arise, and then a victory would come. Yeah? An oppressor, a cry, a deliverer, and a victory. Right? We see this in Egypt, right? With Moses, there was an oppressor, there was a deliverer, a cry, a deliverer, and a victory. 
We see this over and over in the book of Judges. We see this in the Babylonian exile. And then uh, it's so cool to study like church history and even in the intertestamental intertestamental time. Yes, because Hanukkah, you know, uh, most people think Hanukkah is in the Bible. It's not. It's actually during the intertestamental time. There was an oppressor. There was a deliverer. And then there was a victory. And that part of that um, process in there was that they, God made oil last all of those nights, right? So this has been a pattern forever. However, these, this promise, this earthly protection, was usually only relegated to those who were um, born of Abraham or were Israelites, okay? So this protection and these earthly promises. So God was protecting his people, and these blessings were for his people, that's important to understand for the Jewish perspective. So the heavenly perspective, right, which we're going to get from the angels um, on the birth of Jesus, we're always talking about getting a heavenly perspective, right? And do you understand that sometimes when you get a heavenly perspective, it can kind of be different than your perspective. <laughs> and if you're unwilling, you're going to miss God, which a lot of the Jewish people did, right? And they still do today. So we don't want that. We want to be um, humble that when an angel comes, <laughs> we listen. Amen? But we also want to be sure that not every spirit that manifests, we test it, right? So, but, but God is so good that when he sends heavenly, angelic angels, that he knows what he needs to speak, right? So if we stay in humility, just like these shepherds did, we're going to be okay. All right, so Luke 2, 8 through 9. <clears throat> We're going to go slow. Luke 2, 8 through 9. Just pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you how you manifest your glory to the ordinary people now. We love you and we praise you. Take this word and use it for your glory. We open our hearts to you. We open our minds. We open our eyes. Touch us, God. We long for more of you. We long for breakthrough. Don't let us leave the same. God, we humbly listen to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So Luke 2, 8, 9, the song of the angels. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, watching over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. This is a huge deal, guys. This is a time period where the glory of the Lord was confined to the temple. And the manifestations outside of the temple in the Old Testament were confined to prophets, priests, and kings. You understand? Only certain people had encounters and experiences with the glory of God outside the temple. And at this time, in an ordinary field, to ordinary men, the glory of God and angelic divine activity has touched down. This is the begin whoa. <laughs> this is the beginning of the pronouncement of the Savior of God. Now, some people believe that those priests were Levitical, uh, I mean those shepherds were Levitical shepherds, and even them, even Levitical shepherds were considered second-class citizens within the, the Jewish community. They were actually despised by the community because they were always in the muck and the mire and they were taking care of animals. So this divine angelic encounter, an extraordinary announcement happened to the average person in an average place. It's really, really important to understand that. We'll never be thankful for what we have right now and the time period that we've been born into right now if we don't understand that we're part of this intense, insanely long story where the presence of God did not just manifest the way it just did in this tent everywhere. It was so rare and so special. Even in the temple itself, at the time that Jesus came, I, I don't believe that the presence of God was manifest in that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Zechariah had an account. Anyway, so <laughs> um, it's not by chance. It's not by chance that he came to that field. It's not by chance that he came to those people. It's a really important part to understand that God was now coming to ordinary people in ordinary places. 
Luke 2.10 says, and the angel said to them, fear not. Can you imagine though? They understood that the glory of God only came in the temple. They understood that the priests were the one that could one, one day of the year, the priests could enter and encounter the, the glory of God. Now they're in a field, and the glory of God is manifesting them through an, to an, by an angel. The fear that must have overtaken them must have been so intense. Like, what is happening? What I just can't even imagine it. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For all people. The good news is for all people. This is the heavenly perspective, and it's the heavenly perspective that would have been different from the Jewish perspective. Although some Jews understood that Gentiles would one day be saved, some even believing that they could be saved, um, but they couldn't experience the earthly blessings of covenant people. Only uh, Most of them actually believed that salvation was only going to be for Israel and that these blessings were only going to be for Israel. So there's these clashings of these two worlds where Israel believed that this was for them and the angels are saying, now it's for everybody. Now the glory is coming to everybody and the glory is even coming to you who's a shepherd in the field. <laughs> and that's beautiful. Luke 2, 11, 12. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. That's the Greek word for Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So he was announcing the Messiah. And the Jewish perspective and the heavenly perspectives here crashed together into reality. They would have remembered Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Finally, the promise of the seed who will crush the serpent has come. They would have known that. And they would have had that confirmation that this is from heaven, right? So they would have all of a sudden realized that right now is the inauguration of this time when all people will be brought into this place that they've been able to enjoy. <coughs> and suddenly, it went from pitch black in the sky <laughs> to lighting up with this... Andrew just painted this beautiful picture last year of the angels. I remember getting a, a full-blown picture in my head. Suddenly, the picture of a myriad of angels fill the sky, and they're praising God. And this is the part that God really highlighted to me. They're praising God, and they're saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Goodwill towards men. An entire army of angels singing to these two shepherds. Just in a field. How, like, magnificent is this? How special is this? It's just absolutely mind-blowing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill, goodwill towards men. We may think that this is a nice song. It's a heavenly song. And of course, they're glorifying God. However, this song is more significant, I think, than we can understand. It's the announcement of peace on earth and God's plan for redemption. Um, I, I, I think this is really amazing. Is <coughs> The translation in the King James Bible, people are like, yay, she finally got saved. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the, the translation in the King James Bible. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Most of the current translations say um, men of goodwill. But I, did, I was doing this study, and, you know, the more you study, the more you realize the less people know. Even the smartest of people are <laughs> doing their best to understand and interpret things. But I just love... Um, what I discovered, and it's that the Aramaic, uh, it's called the Targum, which is basically, you know how we have translations in English of our Bible, yes? yes? You understand that God didn't give us the word of God in English, right? It's been translated from the original manuscripts that were Greek, right? And you know that during the time of Jesus, they didn't speak Greek, they spoke Aramaic, yes? yes? Okay, so if that's confusing to you, let's do it one more time. The Bible is, our Bible is in English. That was translated from the Greek. In Jesus' time, they spoke Aramaic. 
So in Jesus' time, they had a Torah that was translated in Aramaic that they could read, kind of like how we have the English Bible, yes? So because the, the original Torah is written in Hebrew, so these people would have understood Aramaic. So I want to read to you, because this is just, it blew my mind. I want to read to you the translation of Isaiah 6.3. Because you have to remember, they would have been very familiar with um, the Targum, and they would have understood Isaiah 6.3. They would have studied Isaiah 6.3. See, we hear uh, Isaiah 6.3 as, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. That's how we understand it. That's how it's been translated in our Bibles. In the, in the Aramaic Targum, it says, Holy in the highest heaven, the house of his presence. Right? That sounds a lot like glory to God in the highest. Yes? Holy in the highest heaven, the house of his presence. Holy upon the earth, the work of his might. On earth, peace. Right? Do you see? I should have done slides. Sorry, Ray. <coughs> and then the third line, the third holy in the Targum says, Holy for endless ages is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of the brightness of his glory. Which, goodwill towards men... Now, you might say, well, how does that correlate? But the understanding would be that this is a universal thing. It's available now. The whole earth is filled with his glory. You understand? Holy for endless ages is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of the brightness of his glory. Right? And goodwill towards men, meaning that it's universal. Now this promise is for everybody. And I just thought that was profound because in this, they were getting a revelation that in the pronouncement of the coming of the Messiah, that what was spoken about in Isaiah 6, it's now for everybody. God's will for a savior, because goodwill is actually God's will. <laughs> That's what it is. Goodwill means God's will, and the savior has now come for everybody. So the first century Jew hearing the song of the angels would have instantly seen the correlation to this announcement, an announcement of the Messiah. They would have understood and believed that what these angels had to say came from God and that at this time, what was only once available to them was now going to cover the earth through this seed of this woman. The goodwill, of, uh, the goodwill in Jewish tradition denotes God's blessing and favor. This divine announcement was that it's time now for everyone to have the ability to enjoy God. This would mean that it's uh, the time that God is going to express his mercy to all men, not just Israel. It's profound, um, and it should cause us to be thankful in our hearts. God caught us up, Gentiles, in this long story in creation. Um, also, the word for goodwill is the same word in the Our Father prayer where it says, Thine own, thy, thy will be done. It's the same word. Goodwill towards men is the same word, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Same word for thy will be done. And that's beautiful because now we understand the significance of what he's saying. He's saying that right now, this, this magnification of God, this glory to God, this peace on earth, and this baby coming is God's goodwill. It's God's plan. His will is about to be done. Amen? So the angels cried out, glory to God and peace on earth. These are the two main points of the announcement. God is going to get the highest glory, and he's going to give peace on earth. This is a beautiful picture of God receiving praise and then continu us continually receiving peace. And here's um, at the heart of what I really felt like. And I realize now the connection was that um, with the past couple of weeks is that God is really um, touching that we need to enter into peace. In this season, this is the main proclamation and experience of what this child is ushering in. And this is what the enemy most attacks as we reflect, appreciate, and celebrate his birth. Our worship and our peace. Because if the evidence of Christ's coming is peace, 
If the enemy can remove this, then the seriousness of the claim gets brought into question. And I do like I just love psychology, not the methods, but I love the statistics of things because I I feel that they prove God in many ways. And I did a little bit of research because I was like, I just really want to dig into this and see what happens around Christmas time. Relapse rate increase by 41% during Christmas time. 51% of adults say that they experience anxiety or extreme stress during um, Christmas time. Heart attack rates are the highest around Christmas time. And I thought, isn't that insane that the all of those things deal with peace. All of those things, the, the antithesis of them is the peace of God. That's what would heal all of those things, depression, anxiety. Heart attacks are manifest. Of course, there can be you know, health issues, but a lot of times it's because of stress. All during Christmas time, all during this time where this pronouncement of the angels said, peace on earth. He inaugurated, they inaugurated and announced that there will be peace available for everybody. And here we are around the time of celebration of God, right, coming as a baby and this announcement. And here we are running around like chickens with our heads cut off, looking just like the world when what we're really meant to be is people of great peace. Our peace in this season, and again, I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> My husband's like, oh, gosh. <laughs> It's like, thank you, Jesus. My prayers have been answered. Um, <laughs> seriously. Um, but really, um, think about it. How, how like, profound is that? That in a time where the church is meant to be filled with peace, and we're always meant to be filled with peace, but now we're celebrating that that peace has came. And we, at this time of year, barely even operate in that peace. And maybe you do, and God bless you. <laughs> Grab someone's hand and say, I'll help you. <laughs> Grab my hand. <laughs> um, but how do we take it back? How do we take it back? Now that you see what I'm talking about, how do we get back into the peace? And it's not by our own strength. It's only by worship, because the angels had it right, and the, the angels connected Glory to God in the highest end on earth peace. And it's when we exalt Jesus and we make him above everything else and we understand that he is the ultimate thing and we actually open our mouths and proclaim who he is in the midst of everything that's going on, then we receive the peace. Amen? The angels in their song, they link the peace and the glory. They can't be separated. And Philippians 4, 6 through 7 does the same thing. And I'm so thankful that God showed me this. And I know Caesar preached on this too, but that's okay. We're going in again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is literally the same message as the angels. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and then peace. This word is very important. <laughs> he says guard. This peace that will surpass understanding will guard your heart. What needs to be guarded? Something that's being attacked. Something that's being attacked needs to be guarded. Something that's not being attacked does not need to be guarded. So do you understand that your peace will be attacked? You will be attacked and you need to worship the Lord with prayer, thanksgiving, supplication. You need to say glory to God in the highest. You need to submit to him <laughs> in all of his ways in your life that you would be guarded with his peace. Amen? He needs to be supreme. You need to let his peace, I need to let his peace be the ultimate source of peace. Because any measure of peace that we find in a person, in a promotion, or a paycheck could be ripped away in an instant. But the peace that Jesus leaves us with is not like the world. He gives it, and he gives it, and he gives it, 
and there's no end to the depth that we can encounter it. As long as we're willing to give him glory in the highest, we can receive the peace that he desires to pour out. All horizontal peace begins with vertical peace. The key to living this out is that we would first see that even when people don't deserve it, where circumstances don't line up, that we would be absolutely amazed that God has forgiven us, that we would be absolutely overtaken and thankful that he has accepted us in our shortcomings and rebellion. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Glory to God in the highest. A heart that's erupting that God has made himself available to you will allow you to be kind to all mankind, to be filled with peace no matter what's swirling around you. Because we have peace with God being his. He has given us peace. Rather than take what's available, though, oftentimes we stiff arm God, (laughs) right? We stiff arm the peace. We say, not now, God. I need to tell this person off. Not now, God. I need to figure out how to pay my mortgage. Not now, God. I am not giving into peace until they say I'm sorry. I want to stay mad. They need to be punished. Peace doesn't make sense right now. And he's trying to break into your heart the same way he broke in on Christmas morning to bring peace that surpasses understanding. And the spirit in you is crying out, glory to God in the highest. And in you, peace. Yet we say, nope, stay away. Not right now. I don't want it. But the thing is, if we're stiff-arming the peace, we're stiff-arming the Savior. And what we're doing is completely just, it's causing the testimony of God in our lives to be able to be overlooked because peace on earth, don't you belong to him? There's not peace in your life. There's no peace. We need to protect this peace. And there's more peace for you. If you have peace in an area and you, or, you know, you're like, well, I'm at peace. That's great. But there's more because it's ever increasing If you had peace in an area and now you don't, don't give up. Don't say, well, I gave it, you know, I tried and now it's gone. Because there's always more. We need to keep trying. We need to maintain our testimonies. We need to protect what God has purchased. We need to just dig in and get really nitty gritty in these places where we know something is wrong. Something's not right. I don't have peace here. We can't just say, oh, well, God will fix it. No, we need to dig our claws into those places. We need to worship into those places. We need to pray into those places. We need to give thanksgiving into those places so that we will see eventually the breakthrough of God and peace will be our portion. Amen? Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. This is... um, beautiful uh, prophecy of Jesus coming says for unto us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor he's a good counselor he's the best counselor I've ever had I've paid for a lot of counselors (laughs) mighty God everlasting father prince of peace Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So in the areas where you're saying, this is just not going to work, his peace will not enter this, it will always be like this, this is the place where I'm just suffering, and you just give up praying on it, I want to tell you that there is peace with no end with Jesus. So you can continue to pray peace into that area and you can allow hope to arise as you worship God. Amen? There's no end, only increase. There's no end to his lordship, only increase. 
goodwill towards men, thy will be done. What comes after that? On earth as it is in heaven. Where does God's will take place? How does it take place? Through his church, yes? God's will manifests itself through his church. Say, through me. <laughs> God's will comes through me. <laughs> You're an instrument of heaven because his spirit lives in you. His will is that heaven would come down on earth. And this, this government, this peace, shall know no end. This kingdom, this peace, is like a mustard seed, right? Producing a giant tree, the smallest of seeds. And the cool thing about mustard trees is that in, in the first century Jew, they would have understood this differently than us. Mustard seeds aren't the biggest trees, right? They're big from the seed, but they would grow. The point is that they would grow within the walls surrounding the temple, and they would burst the rocks open because nothing could stop them. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like, and that's what peace is like. The walls, the stones, these massive stones that people couldn't even move would just be moved and just contorted, and it would just keep growing, and you couldn't stop it. And the same as leaven. If you're a baker, you know, you put the tiniest bit of leaven inside flour. Once you mix it, you can't unmix it. It's just going to start expanding and expanding and expanding. And that is what happened. That was inaugurated when the angels came and said, peace on earth. That means the kingdom now, this peace, is going to continue to advance. It's going to continue to grow. First and foremost in the church, first and foremost where the presence of God is living, which is inside of you. So when you hear the knocking and you hear the cry inside of you from the spirit saying glory to God in the highest as you're stiff arming somebody or you're just saying, I'm just going to grin and bear it. Stop, pause, because God is trying to increase his peace in your life rather than you have to maintain or live under the prince of the air, right? No, we want to be under the prince of peace. Amen? It's good. Nothing can stop it. This season, there is no separating. His peace is coming for us, and it's increasing. And one day there'll be peace governing this whole earth. One day this earth will be his, and one day this earth will be ours completely. Blessed are the peacemakers, the longings of our heart to see an end to everything that robs peace will be dealt with. But it's important to give God glory now and receive his peace now. Because the greatness of his government will know no end. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean for your life? What does that mean as a follower of Jesus that the greatness of his government will know no end? Well, where he rules, peace will reign. And if you call him Lord, he is meant to reign over your life. Peace is meant to mark your life. The church is meant to be the proclamation of what it looks like when God reigns. And peace is the marker of God's reign. We must submit to his peace. This peace is more than a fleeting feeling. It's available through obedience to Christ in all things. When we glorify him and we worship him with our lips and our lives, Peace will reign. And we had this holy moment in prayer room, and I just felt to bring it up. It was this prophecy where the Lord spoke and said, how will they know heaven is good if my people reject my government and my law? How will they see heaven, a kingdom filled with peace, if my people refuse to live under my law? Do you understand that? We are God's people. He is our king and our Lord. We're meant to proclaim his excellencies. That's more than just saying God is good, God is great. It's living a life under the laws of God and his ways. These are the things that are going to make peace in your heart. This is the Holy Spirit's leading us. This is the worship. Glory to God in the highest. 
you want to proclaim that he's a good king, you want to proclaim that his government has no end, then we must agree with his government. We must live under his government. We must stop rejecting that his government is wrong. That what he speaks in his word, yeah, maybe that's good. I don't know, that's not for me. I'm not convicted yet. Those things are stealing your peace. And they're stealing the testimony of God. And they're stealing the other people in the world being able to see how good he is through your life. That's a lot of stealing. And I don't know about you, but I can't stand the enemy. And I get real, real mad when I start to think from that perspective that he's stealing things that Jesus paid for in his blood. And I pray that zeal over you and that jealousy over you, that God would get his glory from your life and that he would, his government would know no end in your own life and in your neighborhood. The church is the declaration and the manifestation of his peace to a broken and lost world. We have taken the song of the angels now. It's our song now to declare. Glory to God in the highest, peace in Mastic Beach, salvation to all who believe. As far as the gospel reaches and is received, we get to be a part of the increase of our day. First, we must receive it for ourselves and allow it to permeate as much of our lives as we possibly can. Glory ever ascending from the church, peace ever descending into the church. Yeah, so I just had some prayer points. Um, Caesar, can you come up and maybe play the guitar? Um, we're going to take communion. I felt like God was highlighting these three areas that he wants us to go into the holidays with, that we have peace with God, that we have peace with ourselves, and that we have peace with others. Now, you might not have the ability to cause others to have peace with you, but you certainly have the ability to give the peace that God has given you to others. Yes? So the prayer points that I had besides that was that um, just go ahead and uh, take the communion and hold it is that if you're stiff-arming God right now, <laughs> if that really touched you, um, if you're stiff-arming his peace or when he prompts you to worship, that right now I'm going to pray that you would allow him to touch you. And that the anointing would be upon you to carry this peace back into the places that you have resisted it, in your workplaces, into your family, especially during the holidays, and into any other sphere of influence. So before we take this communion, I just want to give you the opportunity to repent for stiff-arming God's peace. <laughs> and I pray right now that you would see the importance of carrying the proclamation of the angels wherever you are, wherever you go. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. That your hearts would burn with fire for the people that you're going to encounter. That your hearts would burn with fire for your family. That your hearts would burn with fire for the people at Handy Pantry. That your heart would burn so much that you would deal with yourself. Because you can't fake it. This, this human experience, it's beautiful. You walk into a room and you can feel and encounter people, right? You can feel sometimes when someone's sad or happy or mad. And the truth is you can really encounter 
the peace of God through people who walk in the peace of God. Can't fake it. I try. And then people are like, what's wrong? You can't. You can't fake it. And vice versa. We can feel it. And we're meant to because we're meant to encourage each other, pull each other out of the pit. But for the sake of God's testimony, for the sake of the blood of Christ, for the sake of you and for the sake of others, deal with it. Let God touch those areas. Let him bring peace. Put away malice. Put away unforgiveness. Put away harsh words. Put away bitterness. Pack it up. Put it in a box. Get on your knees. Lift it up to God and say, here you go. <laughs> you, can, you can have it. You can take it. If it's bills, if it's circumstances outside of your control, I always say, Lord, forgive me for trying to take control. You have big problems. Here's all the problems that you have, and I will list out all the things that I think that I need to maintain and all the issues that I think that are, you know, causing me anxiety. You have big problems. Here's all your problems, and I know that you're able to solve them. <laughs> but kind of like my kids, like, they just, here's the problem, and they walk away, and they go play. I know that you're the one that can fix it. Here you go. That's what we're meant to be like, that we can maintain our peace. And he's continually giving it out. So, Lord, right now we ask that you would touch us, Holy Spirit. You see, God, where we've been offended. You see, God, where we're nervous about things not going the way that we think they should. You see, God, all the relationships we're going to have to face this season. You see, God, the names that we were called. You see, Lord. You see everything, God. And you say our portion is peace, so we stop stiff-arming you right now because you must be exalted in our lives. You must be the most important. We must find the ultimate joy in you this season. For you provided us a way in, a way to encounter your glory. Forgive us, Lord. Thank you that this baby that came pronouncing this peace died on a cross, shed his blood for us. That we would be forgiven, that we would have peace with you, God that we would be able to have peace with others, that we could see them through the lens that you see them, God. Let peace reign in our hearts, God. Holy Spirit, I pray now you would push out darkness, resentment, fear, bitterness, anger. Oh, a desire to defend, a desire for vengeance. Go in Jesus' name. Thank you for the Spirit's cry in us, saying, Glory to God in the highest. Wash over us now with your peace, Lord. Let it guard us, God, in this season. Let our lives be a proclamation and a manifestation of your peace, God.
Pray a, a reopening and a reawakening that God is able to bring peace to the places that you've given up on. The increase of his peace will know no end. The places you've closed off that you'd give it up again. Give it up again. Let him in again. Open the door where you shut it. Where you said, I'm never dealing with this again. Let God bring peace to that area right now that his peace would know no end. Thank you, Jesus, for your body. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Right now, we pray that we would come under your authority, your governance, and that we would proclaim we have peace with God through the blood and body of Christ. I pray right now that you would cause condemnation to go in Jesus' name. Condemnation go in Jesus' name. Fear go in Jesus' name. Condemnation go in Jesus' name. Shame, leave in Jesus' name. This tent is filled with the righteousness of Christ. Shame, go in Jesus' name. We come under your lordship, God, and we say we are pure, we are holy, we are righteous because of the blood of Jesus. We come into agreement with your lordship, which says we are washed by the blood of the lamb. We are forgiven. We have peace with God, and that means we can make peace with ourselves. Pray peace to ourselves. God, that we would believe what you said is more important than what we think about ourselves. Shame go in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray right now that as we participate in taking your broken body and your blood, that we would see others as holy and righteous as well. That you would break down, divide, break down dividing walls that would cause us to see others through the lens of Satan the accuser of the brethren. Break it down, God. We repent, God. Cause unity to come. Cause peace in relationships. That this house would be a house of peace and unity. That our families, that our homes would be places of peace. That we would come and we would be the peacemakers. We would be the initiators because you've made peace with us, we would make peace wherever we go, that we would leave peace where we go. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, we just take this bread and we break it, knowing that you broke your body for our healing, God. And we pray right now in this tent that your shalom would come over every body in this tent in the name of Jesus Christ. That kidneys would be healed. That hearts would be healed. That blood would be healed. That tumors would be touched. That brains would be given clarity now in Jesus' name. We take this knowing that you can heal us by your broken body. Go ahead and take the bread. Thank you, Jesus. 
And we take this cup, God, knowing that we are unworthy to be forgiven, that we sinned and we fell short of your glory, but you said, it is my delight to show you mercy, so much so that you sent your son. You sent him to die for us. And we drink this cup remembering that you above everything else and everyone else should be glorified in our lives. For you have forgiven us, forgiven everything, past, present, and future. So who are we as we take this cup to hold an offense against anyone else? I pray right now as we take this cup that we would feel a fresh washing, a fresh mercy, a fresh love, God. We take it and we remember. You can take the cup. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. We join in the song of angels. We join in the song of angels with our whole lives proclaiming glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace. A peace that will know no end in our lives. A government that will know no end in our lives. For you are worthy. You're a worthy king. And we remember this season, God. We remember and we celebrate the way you desire us to celebrate, letting peace reign, letting your lordship reign. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing peace. You're bringing peace now. We lift in our loads, God. We lift in our loads. Lift in every burden. Lift in every burden. We're so happy you could join us on the Home Church Podcast. We pray this week's message encourages you to behold the Lord Jesus and bring his kingdom wherever you go. You can visit us online at myhomechurch.org, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us on social media. If you would like to give to this ministry, text the amount to 84321. Bless you.